Welcome to the show, I'm James. I'm David. I'm Riley. And today, I'm happy you're back, we're discussing Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. We'll laugh, we'll argue, we might get a little too into it because Riley's here. <laughs> but at the end of the day, they're just movies. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spo- All, every no. movie sucks. Spoiler alert. Oh, that, no, no. Sp- oh, that was uh, James Bond. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Thank you. We're the most fun you can have podcasting, according to a recent five-star review. If you disagree... Leave your own five-star review. That's a strong statement. Cut at me. Come at us with your own five-star review. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, I'm not going to be here, but Luke Lafreniere will be, and they're going to talk about... You guys, you're going to talk about hackers. Never seen it? Hacker Man. I watched the trailer. I'm glad I'm gone. (laughs) (laughs) I like so bad they're good movies. It definitely looks so bad it's good. Hackers. Hackers. (laughs) All right, David, give us... You're rating out of 10 for Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. If you let go of your pretensions, Mission Impossible 4's tightly choreographed scene-to-scene, thrilling kineticism, and heart-stopping action make it the perfect... Wait, is that Jeremy Renner? (laughs) Oh, God, he's in this. And he's hawking his app. (laughs) Hawkeyeing his app. I'll give this an 8.3 out of 10. Wow. I love this franchise especially four five six mm. this was definitely me pushing for this but i think this movie is just a tight fucking good times yeah hell yeah 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 you okay riley your rebuttal okay <laughs> it's not a rebuttal but uh mi4 provides action laughs gorgeous set pieces and a reminder of the importance of fail safes when it comes to mission critical equipment because holy crap uh, i like the movie it was fun lots of chase scenes though mm. seven out of ten i'm giving it yeah it's just like a solid action movie. Although, uh, yeah, it's like location one chase scene. Now it's time for location two chase scene. Well, Tom Cruise is either running or flying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's it. Or jumping on a couch. That's, well, we'll get into it. <laughs> All right. This film's as cringe as it is badass, but the third act sags more than Tom Cruise in a fighter jet. 6.25 <laughs> out of 10. Sags? Sure. Yeah, I think the midpoint is the strongest part of the movie. No, I That's mean, in a fighter jet, he's not sagging. No, his face is sagging. The, the well, G-force corner. It's, being, it's streamlined. It's keep, he's going, the G-forces <laughs> are keeping him young. On that's the how outside. the celebrities are doing facelifts. No, that's the G-force <laughs> facelifts. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Thanks to Secret Lab for sponsoring oh, yeah. this video. <laughs> Secret Lab chairs are designed to keep you comfortable for those long nights of work and play. Their Titan Evo 2022 series chair offers four-way lumbar support. The only four-way you'll ever have. Mm. Comes with a magnetic memory foam head pillow that goes for me as well and is offered in different upholsteries like hybrid leatherette, soft weave fabric, and Napa leather. The official leather of spies who work out of a single car of a train. <laughs> uh, best of all, a five-year extended warranty is included along with a 49-day return policy. You're covered if anything goes wrong, so buy it. Buy it now. Learn more about Secret Lab at lmg.gg slash secretlabtjm. Go, go. Don't keep it a secret. Tell everyone. Join the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> that's our only sponsor today. Let's, let's do this. Thanks, got, Secret Lab. You got the synopsis for us? I do. Let's have it, Jeremy Renner. Here's what happened. In a Moscow prison, IMF agent Ethan Hunt has befriended Bogdan. <laughs> that's not Jer- Jeremy Renner. A man, a man with information on the terrorists known as Cobalt. When they're finally rescued by agents Jane Carter and Benji Dunn, the new spy team is tasked with infiltrating the Kremlin to learn more about Cobalt. But... Turns out Cobalt is already there, and he sets off a bomb framing the U.S. and getting Ethan arrested by Russian SVR agent Sidorov. That's not Jeremy Renner either. (laughs) No, we haven't gotten him yet. You'll know. Ethan escapes and meets with the IMF secretary and his aide, the analyst William Brandt. There he is. Who inform him that the president has initiated Ghost Protocol, disavowing the IMF. 
Nevertheless, the secretary tasks Ethan with stopping Cobalt just before he's killed by Russian agents. Ethan and Brant regroup with Jane and Benji, identifying Cobalt as Kurt Hendricks, a Swedish-born, <laughs> a Swedish-born Russian nuclear strategist. You know those guys who wants to start a nuclear war between the U.S. and Russia. For that, he needs launch codes stolen by the assassin Sabine Moreau, who uh, killed Jane's partner. Got something to say? Is she in the latest joint? Leah Seydoux. Is she in James Bond? Yeah, she's the love interest in James Bond. She's Leah Seydoux. She looks so Europeanly <clears throat> evil. She does. <laughs> anyway, she killed Jane's partner. Despite the team's complicated attempts to stop the deal, Hendrix ends up getting the codes from Moreau, who is sort of accidentally killed by Jane. Revenge! <laughs> While Ethan sources a new lead, Brant reveals to Jane and Benji that on a previous mission, he failed to protect Ethan's wife, Julia, and Ethan's apparent revenge killing of those responsible led to his imprisonment. Imprisonment. Anyways, they're in India now to stop Hendrix from gaining control of an old Soviet military satellite, but they once again fail. Hendrix uses the codes and a stolen launch control device to fire a nuclear missile at San Francisco. The team barely manages to get the control device from Hendrix and disable the missile just as Sidorov arrives and realizes IMF is innocent of the Kremlin bombing. Later, the team meets in Seattle, where Ethan reveals to Brandt that Julia's death was faked to protect her, and allowed, and it also allowed Ethan to infiltrate the prison. A relieved Brandt agrees to return to IMF before Ethan and Julia heartwarmingly smile at each other from across <laughs> the harbor. Is that Katie Holmes? No, no it's Michelle Monaghan, I yeah. think. What's uh, up with that? You guys like that it was uh, Granville Island? Was that? Oh, yeah. was it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense Same now. Same with uh, when they're in Mumbai, that's Vancouver, that's the convention center. When he's like running across the street. Watch oh. it again, there's even like the planet. Anyways, that's a Vancouver <laughs> thing. Hey, Vancouver. <laughs> they're on a planet. I want to talk about one of the strengths of this movie, and I think it's how quickly it gives you the information you need scene to scene, and it plays with like how much it's giving you versus how much like uh, is going to be unveiled as the action is, is playing out. And I think this is maybe the greatest strength of this movie is just like the experience of watching it uh, and like not really knowing what's going to happen next. Right. Yeah. They, so they do the whole espionage movie thing where you're like, wait, why was that? Well, we don't know. We don't know. But they give you kind of enough that you're 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 not too bogged down by yeah. what you don't bogged know. Down. I feel oh! <laughs> bogged down. And, part of, and it's actually kind of smart the way they do that too, because some of the characters don't know. Yeah, right. You're kind of like, why? Wait, why was he in jail again? And it's like, shh, 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 yeah, I don't know. I yeah. feel like even this the ones is, who think they know, they don't know. Yeah, the, the plot of this movie is intricate uh, in a way that other movies are, but in those other movies. Uh, oftentimes you're like what's going like Bond I I feel like this happens to me a lot in uh, James Bond movies where I'm like I I think I kind of know what's going on but I'm also really confused about why we're here or worse Tenet yeah. Oh, Tenet is a great example. <laughs> you're, like, you're just on the uh, along for the ride on that one. What did you say? He's like, <laughs> I don't know why we're here or who you are, but or okay. Or how the physics work. <laughs> <laughs> we're walking backwards now. Okay, fine. Yeah. Bunch of weirdos. Um, but yeah, I th- I think that they do a good job of having an intricate plot, but still making it understandable. Yeah, and it never feels like a burden. It always feels like what you don't understand. I trust the movie to just give me that information later. Yeah, because like they. They do give you the information fairly quickly as to why he was in prison. Oh, he's in an undercover mission. Like, he actually was planted in the prison. But then they give you more information later that he's there because of the... The, the, the killing the revenge killing of the people that assassinated his wife and then later they go even further and they're like no he was there because they needed it right. to be there so right and that like the Bogdan thing is a great example because that is something that 
gives more clarity to the plot when you understand that he had information on Cobalt. Mm. But I didn't understand that the whole movie. No, I was yeah. like, why did we? Why did he need Col- Bogdan? Yeah. And like, it never really. I mean, I guess it does explain it later, but I didn't pick up on it. And then when I read, I was I was writing the synopsis, and I'm like, oh, that's why. And it. But it was like a minor detail that I didn't need to know in order to have a good time in the movie. Yeah. And too often the movie doesn't give you the stuff that you do need to know. I think that there's a few times in the movie I wish I got a little more from it. Like I don't, I, I've seen this movie probably like eight or t- 10 times. Wow. Not always like focused, but yeah. I still don't really get the villain. Like I get what they're trying to, like they, they have this weird <laughs> ideology where they want to start a nuclear war for like ideological reasons, but like. What? Yeah, I don't exactly know what his motivation is. He wants, so he, it's like a Malthusian like checks and balances thing where like these plagues come and wipe people out, and whoever survives is is better or stronger I or think, something. Yeah. So he wants a nuclear war to serve that purpose. But then the end of his speech that they have televised is something like, as long as the nuclear war affects every human equally, it'll yeah. serve that purpose. So he just wants the whole world to be nuked, and I, and regardless of nationality, whoever survives that. They're they're better people. I, I think is, the is idea that was that he he brought up uh, Hiroshima Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and he was like, "Okay, look, they were nuked to hell, but now look at them; they're doing great." So it's like that'll happen everywhere else if we just nuke everywhere else too. So I think that was like basically part of the like U- U.S. Like, imposed democracy. It's like when things investment. get things get too complicated <laughs> and and like uh, the world is uh, struggling with all these things, blah blah blah. You just kind of need a fresh start, wipe it clean, and then people will build something better in the in the from the rubble. I think like that you could make an interesting like theological defense of that, or like the villain could. I mostly agree movie, with them. The movie doesn't have time for that. They're they're spending it on the characters. Yeah. And, like, I like what they do with a lot of the characters, and I think the movie's really efficient in its characterization. Like, you think about how much the prison break tells you about Ethan. Like, he's given a way out, and he's like, no, 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 we're going the other way because I need this person. And so he makes it way harder for himself because he's always on the mission. Like, he's kind of um, reckless and, like, brave, but he always gets the job done. He he relies on his wits. He's always running, and Mm. you get that all within the first, like, seven minutes with no dialogue. And it's my way him. or the highway. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, that's such a good moment where he's like, open the door. Open yeah. the door. And he's like, no, 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 I can't. And I love that the <laughs> no, first... No, I can't. <laughs> like, ten minutes of this movie, like, there's almost no dialogue. It's all visual. Yeah. It's all, like, these fun little set pieces. And, like, that prison bake is so fun. It's great. It's yeah. a great sequence. It, it was, like, it's, like, classic. I feel like this was a... Maybe I'm completely wrong on this, but I, when I was watching it, I was like, I feel like this was sort of a trope with, like, 2000s uh action uh, movies where it's like a sort of an intimate setting and a lot of stuff is happening it's like a hallway fight type yeah. of thing you know where it's like boy and yeah like... and this kind of felt like that i felt inspired by it because he's moving along this like one uh walkway and he goes all the way to the end and gets him and then the guards come in and then he has to work his way back and uh yeah it, it had that sort of like like tight feel well and i think that that sequence is an exceptionally <clears throat> well choreographed sequence mm. in the sense that every shot accomplishes a purpose. Like, every shot is giving a new piece of information. Like, there's... When he's, like, fighting his way through the hallway, he gets back, but then now the riot gear cop is there, and he has to fight the riot gear guy, and he has to, like, escalate how he's fighting. He's fighting more ruthless, shoves him through the glass, and then he shoves him through a door, and then the rest of the riot police are coming, and, like, that's two shots, and each, like, part of the shot is giving you just a little more information. Then once the riot police come to the door, the next shot is the fire taking out. So it's just every shot is escalating the The whole movie has that. The whole movie does the, like... Okay, this happens, but then this. Yeah, but right. then this, and they, it's like, okay, now he doesn't have enough rope, 
So he has to just swing and jump through the window. Oh my god! And he's about to make it, but then his head hits, <laughs> yeah, and now yeah. he's dangling. There's just I, always another little twist. Yeah. I think I I agree with you that the movie kind of peaks in the middle. I think that that sequence is so fucking yeah. thrilling. And then after that, I almost get exhausted of the constant like trying to escalate things. The pace is so fast, too. so relentless. like it really moves, and you do kind of get. Uh, I guess by the midpoint, you're like that. That was a movie's worth of stuff. They planned this whole kind of heist. <laughs> And it went awry, and then that finally wraps up, and you're like, God damn, there's another hour left, yeah. and they plan another yeah. big operation. Yeah. You're like, holy. I think, yeah, for me, with the point where it turns is they finish that that uh, thing where they're, like, exchanging the codes, getting the diamonds, he's going, doing the, the server thing. Like, all that stuff's so good and so fun, and each part is building differently and paying off, and there's a little bit of release. But then he immediately goes into the chase the through sand. the sandstorm, and that's when the movie does lose lose me a little bit yeah it loses well it's not a great chase actually no. and it's hard to see it's kind of boring it's kind of the whole premise of it is hard to see <laughs> and then it's yeah they're kind of just there running the, around i feel like the tension there when he's in the car and he's like coming around the loop and oh, you're just yeah. like oh because I, I i was like wait why doesn't he just follow him i didn't understand why he was like changing course Mm. And then once you see the map and it sees that he's going to meet up in the loop, I was like, oh, that map okay. was a great device to use. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both like for Ethan and us, <laughs> like for the writers to use. Like, yeah, you can sometimes it's it's so easy to get like lost in the sauce of a chase. Right. Mm. And you're like, where is everyone? <clears throat> or even a fight. Yeah. yeah. Especially a trans, the first Transformers movies. God, yeah. zoom out. It's just a bunch of metal flying around. Man, but the that... map just let you so vi- easily see like, oh, oh okay, sure. they're on a collision course. Got it. If we didn't have those close ups of the GPS, Wouldn't. that sequence would have sucked no. well you couldn't be inside his head then he'd yeah. have to be you have to have someone else in the passenger seat that he's gonna oh, yeah, communicate yeah. to yeah. it was such a crucial part of that i feel like uh this movie like you're talking about like building tension and releasing and stuff and i also feel like it does a good job of kind of like promising things and then paying it off like when we were talking about that opening scene in the prison he gets out of his cell he looks up and he's supposed to just go out the door and he looks at the door we see it open and he's just like no and he goes the other <laughs> way and so we know that that's the objective. And so he has to go all the way to the other side and come back. And so when he actually finally does make it through with Bogdan, we're like, yeah, uh, it's not like a huge moment of triumph, but I think it's just like them just going through that door feels satisfied. That's because the door that doesn't that close because there's somebody's leg in the way. No, no, no. Oh, like, okay. like it's when the one right outside his. Yeah. So when he first comes out, there's an open door and, and Benji is like, go. Yeah. And he's just like, no, 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 no. What are you doing? He's going the other way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, I, I also. Oh no, good. I was just gonna say the. I feel like the opening. The opening is a bit confusing because they they're trying to get across a bunch of exposition. Like we have this prologue scene with with uh, Dude from Sawyer Lost. from Lost. I think his name's Sawyer. Sure. Oh uh, yeah, that was weird because they they easily could have started the movie with this prison break, but they have this kind of like you say prologue scene, and they actually show it again later. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. that they, which they, is why it was like, it. I felt kind of manipulated because there's the prologue where, with uh, with the agent and he. I just wanted to say that's really cool. like I love the little inflatable thing. He like activates and it's like, and then oh, he like drops really off cool. the building and falls. It. It's a cool sequence yeah. and I think it's a great high high energy way to start Super the kinetic, movie. Yeah. So like maybe that's why they started with that because it's high energy. It gets us into it. it's like yeah spy movie and then from there we go to the prison. And then I we meet also, Jane, and Jane gives us the yeah, rest well, of that backstory. I think it also helps, like, put weight on why they have to pull Ethan out. Because right away, he's like, why did you guys pull me out? And he's like, oh, this thing happened. And if right. we were just told this thing happened, we wouldn't feel the weight of it. Yeah. Well, it's that, but for a couple of reasons, right? Like, they're catching him up when he gets pulled out, right? 
And uh, yeah, this thing happened. If they showed it all in retrospect, not as cool. Yeah, the, we have this audience superior thing where we're like, yeah, we we know what happened. We saw this guy die, and he, the codes got taken. So that thing we we didn't know what it was that was getting taken. Now mm-hmm. we know. So that's satisfying for us. But also, we we're told right away like this assassin chick, we can't kill her, and we know that his that other woman <coughs> really would like to kill her right yeah. <laughs> because her was that her partner or what she was the handler but i always assumed that there was a romantic level it was weird it. yeah because i only ever saw her ref- referenced as his handler but i'm like they they really looked like they were lovers but yes. whatever. well anyway she really cares so there's that tension like right off the bat of yeah. like her stakes are set up and there's gonna be this conflict where she she wants to kill someone that she's not supposed to well and it's interesting because i wonder who has the most growth in the movie and is it her it's definitely not uh Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. And I mean, like, yeah, he's everyone around him has yeah. more issues but i mean like i guess jeremy renner has a pretty big arc of like letting go and forgiving himself uh, his monologue in the midpoint upped the ante so much it was i was like wow suddenly i care about this movie <laughs> <laughs> like he was just a yeah. bump on a log until he has that monologue describing how he's like yeah actually i know ethan i you know i i watched his wife get killed well yeah. except he didn't but um I had questions about that that was an interesting kind of side it was it was largely inconsequential like it didn't really have anything to do with the rest of the movie other than like them talking in hushed tones a couple times about yeah. like, oh, what happened to Ethan? Oh, his wife died. And that has no bearing on the rest on of the movie. On Ethan's character really at all. Yeah. Because yeah, him and the Renner character had conflict throughout. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of cool to be like, oh, they have this conflict. But they don't, like Buddy doesn't even know that uh, all the stuff that we know as the audience that, that the Renner character told us. Um, so they kind of like upped it. But then there's no real interaction between those two again until the final like in yeah. seattle mm-hmm. when he like reveals that he knew all that and, and you are looking forward to that yeah that final co- confrontation think, but th- it'd be nice to have some little more in between well i think the movie kind of has to keep them separate because ethan immediately tells me oh no she's not dead like and i think if he did know that jeremy renner was carrying that burden he would have been like oh dude no no it's all good man it was like a plot to keep her hidden yeah. keep her that protected so they can't have a conversation about it and i think it would strengthen the movie if they could have like reconfigured that relationship a little bit more I, so we yeah. could have had that conversation. Yeah, they, or they could have before the conversation at the end where Renner's going to tell him, you know, this is pour his heart out just like he did to the audience. Um, they should have conflicts where Tom Cruise is being very shitty and like we as the audience and Jeremy Renner understand like, oh, Tom Cruise, you don't know what we know. Yeah. Oh, if only you knew. And that would be an awesome experience for, yeah. for the audience. But That'll never happen because there's like another double cross that, uh, I think that Tom Cruise character is going to reveal yeah, to us. I think that my main problem with the dead wife subplot is that it's not in any way connected to the main plot. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like completely separate. Like you can have the whole movie and never mention the wife thing. But is it connected to the, on a franchise level, right? Yeah, it's it's bigger in the franchise. Like the last movie was him and his wife were like kind of the main thing. Oh, and so I think it's continuation. Was she of an that. agent? No, she's kind of along for the ride, but like spoilers for Mission Impossible Three, like he dies and she gives him CPR at the climax and shit, and like she's around for the important bits. I don't really remember this. Is my not one of my favorite ones. Oh, okay, but. yeah, uh, I should have said like I I've I think I watched like the first Mission Impossible and maybe two like a long time ago. I don't remember anything from them basically, and I haven't seen I've seen part of Rogue Nation, but not the whole thing. Oh no, I've seen part of Fallout. 
Anyways, yeah. I'm I'm not an MI uh, Mission Impossible guy, so yeah. I don't. I feel like for me, as an outsider, I guess relatively coming into this, I'm just kind of like, okay, in this singular movie, the wife plot of just seems completely tacked on Fair. to to maybe give some like some more interesting things to Brant to Jeremy Renner's character, but, uh. Yeah, it just it, what it feels like is that we have this action movie with this plot with this nuclear guy and he wants to blow up the world and that's what we're fighting against. And then some every once in a while we talk about Tom Cruise's dead wife and then we're back to the, it the main plot. Very it's also like an emotional rug pull. You're like, oh, Ethan's grieving and he's going to have to work through this. It's like, no, I'm not. Yeah, he never seems like he's <laughs> grieving. She's fine. Yeah. Even when, um, then that's like contextualized in the end, but the whole movie, you're just like, I, why, so I'm supposed to care about this, but he's not signaling that I I should. That last scene is kind of dumb. We just like (laughs) stare at each other from across the the world. Yeah, but it was, which is also really weird because it's like, okay, wait, you were married, you love each other, you know each other are alive. You could just stop being an agent and like quit and go hide with her. Are you kidding? I think, yeah, I think (laughs) I'd rather go to jail. He's he's acting like he's, he's acting like he's Spider-Man or something. And it's like, there's no one else who can do this job, but it's like, you're just a agent guy, man. man. He's the best man. He's the best. He's pretty crazy. He's got like, Sawyer's dead. (laughs) (laughs) So like no one's on the Island anymore. Well, let's talk about what I think is the, the biggest appeal of the franchise, which is Tom Cruise does crazy shit. Yeah. Let's (laughs) even a higher level than that. Let's talk about the franchise position in the market. Mm. This is the American response to James Bond movies. Sure, it, it was a TV show in the fifties, sixties. Yeah, I was really. Th- yeah, I, you know, I, I was. That. I was thinking about putting a joke in my slogan about how oh, uh, America took The Office and made it better, and we took James Bond and made it better too. But <laughs> this isn't really James Bond. It's very old school James Bond. I've heard it described as like Mission Impossible does like old school Roger Moore James Bond better than James Bond does. But I think in that, what sense is it old school? Uh, that it's more about the fun. Like the James Bond has kind of become bogged down by its sense of self-importance. It's like mythology. Yeah, and it's like, it feels like it has to be like really classy. Like you think of Skyfall. Skyfall is the movie I think we all like the best of the Daniel Craig ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, kind of has an artistic <clears throat> tone to it. Like it's kind of taking itself yeah. uh, in that direction. Whereas Mission Impossible is like, no, no, we're here for the fun. We're here for the stunts. We're here for right. the good times. There's big stakes. So it's the American version. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no, well, but th- I think the reason that I thought that it wasn't quite the same thing was because James Bond is really centered around a, a man, a person. Mm-hmm. And Mission Impossible needs its Ethan Hunt, uh, the, especially this current franchise or whatever. In the old TV show, was there a guy named Ethan Hunt? Or is that, was that him? I never watched it. It was Anyways. actually Mike, his father. <laughs> <laughs> Mike. Ah, say it out loud. But listener yeah, that's why like the there's that scene where it's at the telephone like that's a callback to the tv show because he got all his missions from a telephone right then it would explode which and is stuff. like a goofy thing which i, still I do, also but... think that's really good storytelling how efficient it is like it tells you kind of like okay they, they, they're everywhere this but it also is the state of mi6 where it, it doesn't explode right and he has to go and like right. bang it and it's like a good joke but it's it's a little bit yeah. of storytelling I'm but see fan. so okay but again the difference is that we're not about one guy. We're about a team. Mission Impossible is all about the team. Eh. Ethan Hunt fails multiple times in this movie. The equipment fails. The The plan fails. Something goes wrong. And the team is there to pick each other up and pick up the pieces and make it work. And I think that's really what Mission Impossible... There's so much more of a teamwork element. And like James Bond has sidekicks that help him out every once in a but while. It's about James but Bond. for the most part, it's James Bond, the super soldier guy, going and kicking ass. Well, I guess you're right. He has the guy in the chair. Like, I don't know. James Bond definitely has people around that are similar. Like, he's got Q and... M, yeah, but, but they're but just they're not, more like they usually have a scene. They're not really with him throughout yeah. the mission. Yeah, 
they, these guys are all on the ground together. They're they're stopping each other as they fall off of buildings. But like, it's clearly all I, about him. Though. I like yeah. that dimension that you're that you're you're allotting to this franchise. I think where it doesn't work for me is in the climax that he doesn't know that it's the rest of his team that are going to save him because he he gets the briefcase. He has the button, but he mm. needs them to turn on the server, turn on the power. He did tell them to do that. He did tell them to do that. But it was also like a moment for Jeremy Renner to take leadership again, to be like, you do this, you do this, you do this. So he's like, he's kind of like self-actualizing or whatever. Oh. And so like, but, and he, he presses the button, not knowing that like what's happening on the end or not. So he's just pressing yeah. the button and the team is important, but he doesn't well, know but, that the team is important. Well, at the end, he, he wants everyone on his team. Though. So <laughs> I guess that's, that's, that's the character fair. development. That right? is really funny how he like, <laughs> he opens the thing. He's like, mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> nothing happens i love that because it's, it's like a perfect like way to undercut it but then they make fun of it like three minutes later when he tells uh bing rames bing rames who's that, up who is that character he's like another member of the team in one two and three yeah i think yeah so. i think he's in three yeah and so he just is a, like a one of the team members yeah so i guess that's his arc right because when he first gets in the tunnel with carter who sets him free from the prison he's like who are you and he's like kate and he doesn't care about the team at all but then by the end of the movie, he's handing out cell phones being like, be on my team. He he realizes that he works better with the team and wants to be on a team. That's fair. So. Yeah, I've, I mean, yeah, I couldn't say in the earlier movies whether he cares as much about the team. But the Mission Impossible franchise has always incorporated the idea of like a spy team instead of just one guy going in and busting mean, bulls. Couldn't, couldn't be done without him. He's also Burj Khalifa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, I, those gloves, man. How, like... What a weird design. You're just hanging on like like how is your hand not slipping out? I think it I mean it can be secured. Like that isn't that's not the part of this that seems unbelievable. Well, it's got to me. it's got the straps. I just feel like it'd be better to have some sort of claw situation where you can kind of like grab something instead of just slapping your hand on. It should go above the elbow. Sure. It should do. That would oh, make yeah. me happy. It should have a strap on the bicep. It should it yep, should be like uh, assless chaps but for your arms. <laughs> Where it goes they all the way connect around. across the shoulders. Yes. Yeah. Or yeah. under your armpits and then out the other side. Mm. But I love that Up the sequence. Ass crack. Like that's, you could do I that, that sequence. sequence is way longer than it really is. It's quite short. It's quite short. But I think they, they do, they build it up pretty efficiently. There's the one shot that might be the coolest shot in this movie where it's a dolly from inside the hotel room, him standing at the open window and it's showing you Dubai um, and it goes over his head and it kind of pans down. It shows you how high he yeah. is and then it spins around as he climbs out the window onto the glass and it's all this one shot. Okay. So is that real? They're there, right? They're, so he, it's Tom Cruise on the side of the Burj Khalifa. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, there's a photo of him at the absolute top, no harness, nothing, just sitting on the little antenna. <laughs> but I don't, he, so he was on the Burj Khalifa yeah. and it's him doing all the, all the stuff, but there's harnesses that they've obviously right. removed. <laughs> for sure. For sure. But they were actually up there. They were like, actually it's up not there. Like it, and I think a lot of it was shot lower than they made it seem. Yeah, sure. Um, but, but it was actually them on the Burj Khalifa, which, which is like. <laughs> they're I, only on floor 90 instead yeah. of 130. Yeah, like, exactly. Okay, well. But uh, I think that's it's such a thrilling like my my like my spine tingles at that sequence just like thinking about how high they are. Oh like it, yeah, it's it's they really do a good job setting the stakes and then making it feel important and not like there's very little CG, but all the practical effects feel so grounded in reality and danger. Yeah, and it's so thrilling. I mean, that is something that the MI franchise uh, clearly 
does well and which Tom Cruise continues to care about because he, you know, Top Gun Maverick, we talked about this then as, as well, where it's like when it's a real stunt, when they're actually there doing it and you, you can, you can tell it's can not tell. a green screen. You can tell it's not on a soundstage somewhere. Yeah. They What's, went and climbed and th- up and this building. And things just get worse and worse and worse, right? Like now your one glove's broken. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god oh yeah, his laser thing breaks right. I love that that shot where he has the one hand and he's like trying to kick through it it's oh. like oh come on it looks really awkward well, but it's fine and I think I what it's, what's so good about that sequence is that it's like you're constantly being wound up by tension right? like all these things are being taken away from him and you're like oh god and then he gets in there you get a moment of breath but then like all the mount he's, he's risen up he now gets to go down in like yeah. 10 seconds. Like that thing where he ties the rope and he just runs down the side yeah, of the building. It's like sweet this shot. big release of this, all this tension. You're like, nice. But then it's like, ah, just kidding. It's all fucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was so cool. That's a great shot. Everybody like jumps over the camera. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, it really speaks to the character that he's, he just goes, well, what can I do right now? My only option is to just run and jump through this window, <laughs> yeah. like an impossible feat. And he just decides to do it and has to do it. He doesn't. Yep. He never hesitates. Not it, like that Jeremy Renner yeah, yeah, above I that mean, fan. It, it 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 gets really close to shattering my suspen- suspension of disbelief almost every time because sure. I'm like. <laughs> Every time this guy is barely surviving, he's barely hanging on. There's always someone to grab him. He's lucky to hit a thing or whatever. But he's like, it, in real life, he would he'd be dead many oh, many times. years ago. He'd be dead. Yeah. Oh yeah, when he swings into that window, his head goes punk. And it's like he's still conscious after yeah, that, yeah. and his head goes punk like yeah. three times in this movie. He's, he smashes his head into so many things in this movie. Like well, when he's he jumping off the cars in the car park at the end, it's just like, like, oh yeah, they're all, they're both like completely crippled by the end of it. They're just like limping around, like dragging oh God, their his limbs. When leg gets crushed under yeah. the car rolling. <laughs> I, I don't love that sequence, but when he like does the seat, he gets in the car because the guy killed himself with the briefcase. He gets in the car, straps himself in and then goes over the edge. I'm like, oh my God. And it's such a cool shot. It's such a like. There's nothing left to do. Like you said, he's like, there is only this yeah. or losing. Right. And he's like, no, we going over the edge. And the shot of him like going down and just fucking hitting Jeez the ground. Louise. It's so cool. Yeah, that's that very work? Cool. I don't get pulled out. <laughs> no clue. <laughs> like you said, you get kind of it almost breaks your immersion, breaks your sense of disbelief or suspension of disbelief. Um, that doesn't really because I'm kind of like on board with it's a spy movie. And everyone's super competent and they can do all these things. But what kind of does is all these little things where like, for example, they're like into their radios dry cleaning it cuts to carter she's like stealing an, a uniform she's like on my way up and it's like wait wait a second like when did you plan how, like <laughs> how did you get in there like no one working no one who works at this hotel is gonna be like who is this western lady back here you'd be the, surprised what you can accomplish when you walk with confidence they're stealing crap all the time. Like they're just like taking shoes off of people, like taking scarves off of pe- vendors, and no one ever says pre mission. The, yeah, the boots he grabs. I'm like, that was like right in front of the yeah. vendor. <laughs> pre mission, they're all just standing around doing power poses, and they just like yeah. they are just they so people down. Confident. They're pheromones alone. <laughs> pheromones. It's like they're just boldfacedly strong. Yeah. These commoners, we just boldface steal stuff, and we'll get away with it. This is the simplest part of the yeah, plan. Yeah, we're the heroes. You shut up. I'm taking your shirt. <laughs> Who is your favorite uh, of the side care of the team members? Like which one gave Simon you Simon Pegg was amazing. Oh, I always yeah. Love of course. Benji's great. I mean and so like he was a he was a side role 
Yeah. Like he was a like a cameo basically in the previous one or something. He was yeah, a little very, bit more than cameo. He had a couple scenes. Yeah, he was always like the bumbling idiot. Yeah, and then in this one they were like, okay, now you're you're promoted. Yeah, both in in universe and uh, just in the movie. In yeah, general. and then he gets to kick around. I mean, he's he he his stardom grew from the start of his appearance. So he's yeah, he's in he's in it now. He was great. I mean, I I've I. I've heard people saying that he had a lot of humor that was sort of missing from the previous franchise or f- entries. Yeah. Well, like one is one, two, three is a totally different tone. That's why we started at four is like, it's like a almost an entirely different franchise. Mm. In what uh, way? What's the difference? It, these ones are a lot slicker and more fun. Whereas like by the time three rolled around, it's really like dark and like intense. Like in the last one, Philip Seymour Hoffman's like the villain and he, he's the villain and it's like, it's pretty intense and like, it's about Ethan and his marriage falling apart yeah. and like there's not a, yeah there's not as much humor it the tone is different it's been a little bit since I've seen it but like it's just yeah there's there's a focus more on the dark side of it uh, whereas these ones like I don't find that they're heavy at you all. know like, that's they're such popcorn matches that's interesting that makes me think that 2010 was sort of a time uh, a um when did Mission Impossible 3 come out 2006 it makes me well, think that kind of like, like begins right in the center and when it. was the first Avengers 2008 no 2010 avengers the uh, 2012 really yeah oh wow but like uh the marvel you know the mcu kind of started around 2010 i feel like marvel the 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 mcu kind of started this whole trend of like really really funny and fun action romps because yeah. I feel like the you know the the superhero movies that we were getting before then were like they're all kind of self serious. Yeah. The way Batman Begins in that trilogy, and then we had like you know every, I think there were a couple attempts like the Green Hornet and stuff to make like comedy <laughs> superhero movies, they but they were all kind of one offs, and it still kind of felt weird. And I feel like Avengers and the MCU kind of hit on this note of like okay, this is how you make a thrilling you know uh, action, action adventure. Comedy. With heavy, heavy comedy elements, and uh, and I feel like this kind of th- this this marked the change for that. It's not as the, funny in the Mission, Mission it, Impossible. No, franchise. The humor's not as there's a, there's a couple like but meh, but meh. I think that but I think that like Benji really like it's that feel like we're so used to it now. You know, yeah. we're used to like Simon Pegg style like. This is a really high stakes situation, but I'm just like cracking jokes the whole time. Yeah, and we're like, well, oh, that's just normal. Like, I like the way they they do some of the like the the scene transitions where Ethan's on the phone or whatever, and he's like, Benji's like, oh, I did over here. We're going to the Kremlin. Like, haha, that's hilarious. We're going yeah. to the Kremlin. Like, we're not. Yeah, we're, haha, I thought you said the Kremlin. Like, yeah, and then it's like we cut to <laughs> them at the Kremlin. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great cut. Yeah, uh, I like that Kremlin sequence too because it's like. We don't. That's one of the kinds of sequences where we don't know much. Where it, they're giving us the information as we go, right? And I think that friggin' uh, 3D display. That was the first thing. set piece that I was like, okay, that's pretty. I'm into this movie. Yeah, now. it's a pretty cool idea, and it's like the way they shoot it too. That's almost completely silent. It's like a totally different vibe to the other action set pieces. Yeah, and it's just it's tense and it's clever and it's cool, and I just love that machine. Oh, you know what? It. I think uh, I just remembered. Oh. I think a big part of the comedy is like they br- they got. Simon Pegg on, but I think a big part of it feeling like fun in a way that the previous movies maybe weren't is because they had Brad Bird uh, direct it. Yeah. And he did like a bunch of Pixar movies. Iron Man, Iron Giant. Uh, oh, did he? Yeah, and Incredibles. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then also yeah, Incredibles Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland. <laughs> yeah. The festival? No, the like Disney movie with the Oprah. No, that's that's uh, Wrinkle in Time. He directed... Uh, with Brad Pitt. It's like he's an inventor. No, uh, George Clooney. 
Jeez, he's like an adventure. Where are we? Tomorrowland. <laughs> that was 2015. It was a bit of a flop. Never sure. Heard of that but one. he did both Incredibles movies. Which are both uh, He did Ratatouille. He directed a couple of Simpsons episodes. Weird. He has a bit of a, you know, and this was his, comedy pedigree. This pedigree. was his first, like, live action one. And I think I can really sense the, like, amount of thought he put into this movie. Like, it never feels like there's a wasted moment. Mm. And it's like, not all of it lands, but it feels very intentionally placed It also there. says produced by Tom Cruise right at the beginning. Mm. Well, and so I bet they worked together quite a bit. Well, he's he's very involved in the creation of the movie, yeah. so he's a producer. And he had done of three of these movies already, so yeah. that's going to make it easier for a director to come in. Yeah. yeah, I think basically anything that Tom Cruise is involved in, he takes like a heavy role in. Like, I th- I, I I feel like that's the vibe. Yep. of and him. I, I, he's I, like, I'm not just like an actor. I'm going to be part of the whole production and everything. As crazy as he is, he really is like the last great action star. Mm-hmm. He like when you when he's in a movie, I get pretty excited. I'm like, ah, yeah, this is going to be pretty cool. The guy's off his rocker. But <laughs> totally off his rock. He's really good at making movies. Yeah, he only wants to do what he wants to do too. So yeah, and what's what he wants to do is climb the <clears throat> bird. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do dangerous things until it kills me. Oh man! Shout out to that moment in the Kremlin sequence when Tom Cruise yells at the people as the general and then walks away at the explosion and like takes off the mask and then flips his jacket inside out and it's like this sweet little yeah. like you got the Bruce, Bruce Springsteen shirt and stuff Just, man how did, Tom, that, how that, did that tunic turn into a bomber that was impressive that was so cool because it it's in the same shot like it couldn't be a CG thing it's just like yeah, you can design. see the inside of yeah, it. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, but then it also betrays him. That's how they know that he was yeah, the person true. that was there. That's true. But, you know, if the bomb didn't go off. Uh, the the biggest, worst CG bomb ever. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was pretty, that was kind of rough. It does. This movie doesn't feel like it's a 2011 movie, but that's a long time ago. But when the CG happens. Yeah. Luckily, bad. there's not that much CG. CG Man, has come, come a ways. There's some cool practical effects like that hole, like when they're escaping the prison and the hole in the ground kind of comes out. That's a great yeah. practical effect. I don't know how they did it. It must just be like sand that they opened a hole to, but it looks really good. That looks cool. Yeah. Um, also, you know, it looks cool. It's just Tom Cruise. I love his hair. I love his yeah. hair in this one. I think he has the long hair. That's the Mission in, uh, Impossible 2, two hair. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Bring back the, the long hair, I, I feel like. Maybe in 7 he'll do it. He looks like an anime hero. 2 is so bombastic. I remember, I remember the trailer, him being on that orange motorcycle and doing that big endo or whatever you know when you skid on the nose on the oh, front tire yeah, yeah, yeah. and then his like sunglasses shoot off and explode it's like god <laughs> damn well, it's, a, it's a john woo movie so it's like so high yeah. there's that shot where the two motorcycles like take a jump at each other and they like i can't remember what they do if they just like punch each other but they like collide midair or some shit it's insane and that's the one at the beginning sequence he's like rock climbing yeah. and then he like flips out so he's holding onto the rock but his chest is outward and he's just like breathing <sighs> yeah yeah like what the hell man i feel like i feel like these movies do a really good job of disguising the fact that he is five foot six very short <laughs> no but in the prison scene i think that it's like it's super obvious he yeah. comes out and he's like built he's like yeah. freaking ripped but it's like because he's so ripped you can tell that he's like like in, in like the way that the movie makes it look, he should be taller and he should be like stretched out a little bit, but he looks like a little like, <laughs> and, and hey man, what, you said something about me, come on. When they go to the Kremlin as well, because the architecture is so monumental and they're mm. made to look small, they look tiny. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think Sam Pegg's not a particularly small person, so you put him side by side. Man, the prison scene, man, he, he's introduced as this cool guy not reacting to all this chaos mm. around him and he's like throwing that, what I thought was a ball no, and it's it, a rock. Yeah, and it bounces off like two surfaces before coming back to his hand, which would be quite the athletic feat if it were a ball. But no, right. it's an oddly shaped rock. I'm like, okay, so hold on. I, hope, <laughs> I, I, I hoped that you guys knew the answer to this. No. Like, is that real? Like, did he actually learn how to do that? I feel like I 
I have enough love and trust for this franchise that I'm like, they wouldn't put it in the movie if it was a weird CG thing. Like that would just would be stupid way to introduce that character. I have enough faith that they know that that would be dumb. Were the walls even angled? It's a corner. It was a, it was a window. It would, wouldn't they have to be each wall at a 45 so that it bounces, hits into the next corner to bounce back to him? If it's just a regular window, how the hell is that ever going to bounce back to him? Um. <laughs> well, unless he, dude, dude, maybe, I don't know. I don't understand how you like could be... predict where the rock is going when it's not a regular shape. Well, because he throws it the exact same way every time with a grip that is the exact same every time. And he hits it in the same place every time because he's been yeah. there for so long and he's so superhuman. I think, yeah, for a franchise that pri- prides itself in its practical effects, I feel like that'd be a weird thing to introduce its hero using a stupid CG thing. Like, it's not cool enough to make it a CG Also, thing. what an annoying roommate. That's, Wait. Uh, it did sound cool, but... Okay, so this is a trivia, trivia entry on IMDb. The rock that Ethan is repeatedly tossing back and forth to himself in the opening sequence was thought of during shooting... And according to the prop master, was a spur of the moment thing Tom Cruise wanted to do that they shot all of the scenes with the Rock without it ever being written in any version of the script. I mean, it sounds like it's that sounds practical. like they did it for real. That's crazy. It doesn't like, necessarily uh, honestly, mean they did it for real. He could have been like, "Yeah, what if I'm like throwing a rock and it keeps coming back to my hand?" And they're like, "Well, you can't really do that, can you?" He's like, "We'll do it in post." I don't think just, so. I don't think so. That all would right. be a lot of work. It would in look post, way worse. Like. Yeah. yeah, but like. Well then, damn. Honestly, this is but like know, this is great because this is the mythos that Tom Cruise has kind of like created around totally. himself by being this guy who is like notorious for doing all of his own stunts. We're af- we're having a conversation about whether he actually threw the rock or not. <laughs> I feel you, like you, while you, I was watching it, I was like, that seems insane that you would spend because that would take a long time to like train yourself on how to do that properly. Tom Cruise, and I'm like, that honestly seems like something Tom Cruise would do. Because it was, it it would be like, okay, it's going to take me a while to learn how to do this, but it'll be quicker and more efficient and better for yeah. the movie if I do that instead of leaving it I, to some CGI. I think that thing. they definitely do a lot of the writing on the go, especially with action of like, oh, I've been trained, like my personal trainer taught me how to do this. I want to, I want to do this. Like in the five, minor spoilers for a five, he's like in prison and he's got his hot hands tied behind his head. Did you say hot hands? His hot hands. <laughs> hot, tiny hands. <laughs> behind his head on he's like on a pole so they're behind him and he's like on the ground and he like does a core thing to like go up right using just his core and it's like really an impressive athletic feat every muscle 100 percent. and you're like you can just tell like tom cruise like oh i can do this like that would be cool in the movie if ethan hunt escaped using this feat of athleticism it also speaks to just his uh experience as an actor to know like I can't just be lying here with my hands behind my head. It'd be way better. I should be active. I should be right. doing something. Yeah. yeah. Freaking Bond would do that. I think Ethan Hunt. This is America. <laughs> okay, who, who wins in a fight? James Bond, Ethan Hunt. In a chase, Ethan Hunt. Can't You can't escape or... If this is Daniel Craig's Bond or does it Daniel matter Craig, which Daniel, uh, Yeah, Daniel Craig. I, I feel like Bond the, wins in, a, in hand-to-hand combat. Okay, well... Yeah, I think hand-to-hand Ethan combat. Hunt struggled to fight a like 60-year-old physicist in this movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Straight yeah. fight, James Bond for sure. Ethan Hunt's greatest uh, skills are not his combat skills. They're his, like, determination, Yeah, that's I guess. defiance. And just, like, willing to jump off shit. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Ethan Hunt, that guy jumps off anything. Kind of brings it back to the villain, like, what the hell? Why was that guy so good at fighting? <laughs> like, yeah. they kind of, it's like they, they just reversed engineered. Like, we need the highest stakes possible. Mm-hmm. Nuclear threat. Okay, tie that to a person. Gotta be a scientist. Let's also make him 
badass terrorist. Okay, he's a scientist, CIA. Op- he w- they said he was like an operative or an agent, right? Yeah, something. So well, he's also like super knowledgeable. Wait, you what? The uh, Hendrix? Who's the yeah main? Cobalt guy? Yeah. 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 He's, I don't think he was an operative. Was he everything? Well, he I think he worked for the Russian government. This was was so confusing when I read a synopsis, especially. Because like in there, in the movie, the first line we hear him speak, I think, is he's got a British accent. Or it sounds like he's got a British accent. He's like, we need to talk or something. And then we hear him on the TV recording speaking Russian. And then later, he kind of like yells some orders and stuff. He barely talks in this movie. Uh, it's really not about yeah him, he's yeah. not really it's a not character he's kind of just like an obstacle he's more of an it's, obstacle yeah. a set of obstacles and the real antagonist is almost like the equipment always breaking I took <laughs> I took his ability to kind of jump accents and language as like a, he's an international man of mystery well but this Swedes, is man I, I don't understand so I feel like the, my theory is that because he's supposed to be a Swedish born Russian nuclear strategist and I'm like, because they, because he's supposed to be Russian, and they say his name is Kurt Hendricks. I'm like, that is not a Russian name. Like but, Kurt Cobain and Jimi Hendrix. Is yeah, that yeah. What the, but like, <laughs> twenty seven. I feel like my theory is that they hired this guy. What's his name? He's right there, Michael Nickvist. Nickvist. I don't know. They 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 cast him, and then they were like, okay, we have to. He's supposed to be Russian, so he's okay. He's going to be Swedish born Russian. Nuclear yeah. guy. <laughs> it definitely doesn't feel like the role was written for him. They like found yeah. a guy who kind of looks like vaguely menacing and yeah. put him in there. That was, I was Yo, just when he was that the doing time. the diamond swap thing, and then at the end of the sand chase, it's revealed that he's it was <clears throat> Hendrix in disguise the whole time. I didn't, why? I yeah, was, I said that too. He took the mask off, and I was like, "What's the oh, point?" Oh, I thought that was just the guy they were chasing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, well, I guess ultimately it is, but yeah, so but like, I don't understand. The, I feel like part of it was that. Hendrix couldn't show his face in public because he's like people are seeking him mm. uh, and not Winstrom so much. So then that's why. But like, it still feels really unnecessary at the end when it's like, oh my gosh, it was Hendrix the whole time, and it's like that doesn't mean anything. I guess it just makes it more of like a, oh, I was so close because they oh, failed. Yeah. They, oh, they yeah. all fail there, right? And there's kind of, that's kind of like the darkest hour of the movie. Everything fails and then they split up. It was yeah, I don't know. It was it was dumb. For sure. Man, this old movie is dumb. Oh, yeah? Let's talk about how dumb it is. <laughs> nitpicks. Okay, I've got one huge nitpick. Okay. Bothers me so much. When they are uh, in the climax and the team each has, has their role, you know, Jeremy Renner's fighting the guy to turn the power back on. Benji's like quickly putting the things back um, and the other agents like defending him or whatever. They manage to get it, but then Jeremy Renner turns on the server. It takes more than like a second for a server to fucking turn on. <laughs> <laughs> I, was yeah. like, I get it. It's a movie. Like it doesn't yeah. matter. But it, it was kind of like a. I I don't know that much about servers, but I'm around people that do, and I've seen servers <laughs> turn on. It takes a little. It's it an like SSD, a, baby. Yeah, but yeah, it's, these, it's Mac. It's a Mac. Is, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a telecom fast. tycoon guy. He's got the top of the line. Top of the line. Even baby. in 2011, servers aren't turning on instantly. No. It's no. Nitpick. No, they're not. <clears throat> Um, sort of a minor nitpick, but not really, I don't know. In the beginning, the intro to the movie, they show a bunch of scenes from later in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is a really, I don't think I've seen this anywhere else. I was curious about what you guys thought about that. Because, well, I wasn't sure if they're from the same movie or the last movie or what was going on. Because like, in some ways, maybe it's just expecting that everyone's seen, you know, the teasers or whatever of Tom Cruise, like, hanging off the building, and we know that this is going to be one of the big set pieces and stuff, but if you haven't seen that and you want to go in blind, 
It's basically being like, fuck you. I think... Check I w- it out, spoilers. I was wondering if, like, with zero context, it was kind of just like, huh, oh, okay, that's cool. Like the views. Yeah, whereas, like, having seen it, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's that scene, there's that scene, and it feels like it's giving me so much more than it really yeah, is. All my favorites. Yeah. Because, like, the Birch Khalifa, yeah, it's like, oh, it's him on the side of, like, a glass window thing, but we know that he, at some point in the movie, he's going to be swinging off the side of the Birch Khalifa. intro sequence, I was like, wow, they really are gunning for Bond. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, this was this was first. Was it? What? The TV show. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That's, well, like, so that's very much reminiscent of the TV show's intro. But this... The MI franchise with uh, with Tom Cruise no, that's was like after. I mean, the Bond movie thing is ongoing. Yes, I hate his hood, man. It's on the cover. <laughs> oh yeah, he like him with his hood on is so cringe. And then when the government disavows you, you got to put the hood up. Okay, he does it when he's like hiding. And he's running out of the hospital. Okay, then later on in Seattle or Granville Island, he like <laughs> he walks away from his meeting and puts the hood on. Is it that cold? Not Katie Holmes didn't have a hood on. He put, <laughs> he put the hood on because... And then he freaking disappears, like literally yeah. vanishes. I was like, <laughs> why? Why? Because he's a ghost. What was up with he that? He initiated his own ghost protocol. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> he, I just hate, he just looks so cringe in a hood. I hated it. Like Tom Yeah, Cruise, Tom Cruise is not uh, made for hoods. Like, oh, I'm a hood. I'm a hood. Clandestine. <laughs> <laughs> like one of the, those kids does. Yeah. Like when I'm actually on a mission, I'm just wearing a suit. Right. No. But now that I'm walking around regular life with no one around me who gives a shit about me, now I'm going to put a hood on. Also, is it His just, ears are cold. Also, it's all charitable yeah, reading. Yeah, I feel like no one, no movie ever should have someone put a hood up to disguise themselves ever again because in real life, anytime I see someone with a hood up, I look, look at that guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Who's yeah. that guy? Hey, who's, who is that guy? I actually hate when people wear hoods. I hate it. Especially when oh, we yeah? drive in hoods. I'm I, just like, you look sketchy. I don't trust you. I would do, <laughs> I only put on a hood when my ears are cold. Yeah, if it's cold, yeah, hoods, hoods are allowed. But just in general, hood people. If like, it's raining, get out of here. If it's raining. What if it's really, really cold out and you don't have a toque? It's not a good look either. And by toque, I mean beanie americanas. Lance will put his hood on in the sun because he's like getting a sunburn in like sixty seconds, apparently, or something. I just hate it. In sixty like, seconds, get that damn hood off. I hate. It. I don't like That's it. It's the sequel to the. Put Nicholas some sunscreen on, bro. <laughs> Burned Burn in sixty seconds. seconds. <laughs> um, uh, I have the another nitpick Go. which is how quickly the sandstorm ends as soon as the action is done like you like <laughs> she drives away and it's like one last gust of wind and then the sandstorm's just over and yeah it's like, huh? do they ever get that bad over there like that's, i don't know i it's was asking myself hardcore. i'm like this seems like it would just be horrible for would, people living here normally seems plausible but if they do get that bad then there's no way anyone gets caught by it. You there's can't see. No like, way. There's traffic that they have to dodge, or that there's vendors with their crap out in the road still. Know, like you they, can't see ten feet in front of you. Like what? Yeah, people in the Middle East that have experienced sandstorms, please tell us. Yeah, if we have any listeners in Dubai, I'm pretty sure they have pretty bad storms. But there's no way someone's going to be like, "I'll oh, just leave all my garments and wares for sale out in this storm." Well, also, like, these guys are running through the market grabbing stuff, and it's like it's the perfect cover. <laughs> it's like every time a sandstorm comes in, it's the purge out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone's just going to do whatever you want. No one can see you. Those people are just driving. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you're driving on the on the highway. <laughs> like, how are they going beams. at any speed? I don't understand the problem. High beams, man. <laughs> okay, <laughs> High beams cuts right through. I Here's an epic. I hated when, he's, when they're driving into Dubai. And they're like, oh, camels. And he goes, oh, and he, almost, <laughs> he almost hit these camels. I thought that was great. 
I it's a realistic thing. I've dodged similar things. I've <clears throat> road tripped across like Morocco and stuff. Yeah. But I saw them coming from like oh, sure, two sure. miles away. Like yeah, yeah that they're was... on a straight drag strip. <laughs> that was cheesy. That was like that was cheesy that he oh I didn't see them and like oh no we gotta He's... dodge them. But right after the fact that they, he dodges them and then he like looks at Jane and is like camels. <laughs> Like, yeah, I know. It's we all so saw the dumb. camels. Camels. Just so you know. Like he are... wasn't even, they didn't even try. It's not like he was looking back at the people in the back and having like a heated conversation or anything like that. I thought he looked back at her for a second. But yeah, he right. was like, looking away makes, from them. It makes no sense. Whatever. How, how did... Camels. How, so I really like that uh, that play of Cobalt using their radios against them like at the kremlin being like team leader like we've planted the bomb or whatever and like making it seem like imf is the so cobalt just walked in there so that's my question is how did cobalt walk in and then how did he infiltrate their <clears throat> encrypted radio like they don't really talk about how he knew their plan except um, that he's just the villain who's super smart what good question he, on the radio thing i don't know that but i i thought that because he was just i thought he just had the clearance and just walked in rushing. just walked oh, maybe, in there maybe how does he know that they're doing that? I don't, I don't even know. Do, do you think, was he piggybacking their frequency on purpose? Yes. I don't he know. was trying to frame them. Oh, okay. Uh, which I thought was a fun play on it. And I love that scene when he's going through looking for the film or whatever. And then you see the first one, it's empty, second one empty. And like him realizing it. Right. That's the a weight good of moment. it. The weight of it's good. Um, uh, Sort of a medium sized nitpick for me is Brant and his role as an analyst. It's like, we know he went out of the field because of this trauma traumatic thing he went through or whatever but they do really play it off in the beginning like he is like they play up his analyst side Mm -hmm. like he's like who's this man do you recognize him he's like that's so and so and he's like i'm the computer man with a computer brain and (laughs) he's a mentor and after yeah and after like you know they're underwater and like he asks ethan like why'd you how'd you know that would work what was your play there how were you like analyzing the variables and blah blah blah. and he's like i just did it man i go with my gut and he's like (laughs) well i don't understand i'm the analyst and then like later it's just like it's just gone he's just an agent mm. yeah he's just normal guy yeah i guess they're they're trying to differentiate the two characters the two white guys on the team well i got (laughs) well there's a british okay uh, british people sort of white because it's just like one's all (laughs) one's all brain and one's all heart yeah it's a joke yeah, because Ethan isn't necessarily. Yeah, he's all he's all gut. Um, in that same scene, though, uh, the bullets going through the water. Myth, mu- myth yeah, mu- myth I was busters. thinking that too. I'm like, dude, don't go down that far. Adam Savage talked about it. Yeah, and the other guy, Jamie. Jamie Pilkey. Here's a nitpick. Just an editing thing that just I just didn't like it when he's picking them up in the jet, and they're like, "Nice jet," and he's like. Wait till you see the car. And then it cuts to not the car. It cuts to something else for a fucking half an hour. And then then later we finally go to this Indian ball. And then there's the car that they're driving in. And that just pissed me off. Like, if you're going to not show the damn car, then I already have to know the car. Case in point, Batman Begins. Nice car. You should see my other one. <laughs> we know he's talking with the Batmobile. Yeah. We can pitch the Batmobile in our heads. In this case, we haven't seen the car yet. So show us the fucking car. Or else it's not a joke. No. It's not a joke. They should have just stayed on him for another minute. He's like, you should see. But I you assure sh- you it's very nice. <laughs> you should see the car. <laughs> Silence. It's a really good car. <laughs> just annoying. Yeah, just I a true nitpick. I feel like the intro to the Mumbai sequence was kind of dull. Like it, It's like at that point in the movie. The whole be- Mumbai sequence I don't yeah. like very much. No, I that's think the sag. Yeah, and it sucks because that's like should have been the climax of the movie. I think this could have been one of the, the all time great action movies, but the last third is always just like, oh yeah, yeah. India like, should have been second location. Yeah, and Burj Khalifa. Dubai should have been third. Well, it's just not as suspenseful as 
The Dubai scene is insane. There's these two. They can get caught at any moment. There's two things going on. How are they? Gonna, they don't have any diamonds. All that in Mumbai, it's just like, hey, they're kind of flirting. You're kind of flirting, and yeah, and she's gonna twist his arm when she gets in the bedroom. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then the stupid Jeremy Renner ma- like uh, magnet shit. Not good. Not oh, good. the magnet. This is stupid. It's hot in like, there. Yeah, there's not there, a lot of danger in there. there. Are Honestly, a I was of... hoping he just got impaled. <laughs> cheering I for think the that, fan. I think booby traps just inherently aren't as threatening as social danger, like getting yeah, caught, yeah. getting yes. caught by yeah. these assassins. Well, it's, it's something... fine. You know, it's fine to to be almost uh, spliced up by a big fan. That's fine. But it well, was just like it felt kind of doink, like a doinky. That's if, my favorite word. I like doinky. I think it's just with traps. It's it very feels... pointy in the middle too. Unnecessarily so. Yeah. Sterno was about to get impaled by that thing. Yeah. Exactly. I think. Just booby traps so feel feel so far from our own existence that like there's I can't tie it to something in my life. I'm not like that's a real sense of danger I've experienced. Whereas like you said, social danger is like I'm like oh yeah, I've I've almost been caught doing stuff before. Right. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, why does he have to float around in that computer? Do normal humans I think, don't yeah. service secu- that thing. There was like or? a security sensor thing, like a weight sensor. That was also, and that was also. I don't know if that's in the movie. Like though. the least, I feel like Mission Impossible. Other than the masks, I guess they do a pretty good job of like having the gadgets and stuff seem somewhat grounded in in real life a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's like okay, we've heard of like suction cup gloves and stuff before. That's yeah. fine, but I think with the like the floating <laughs> magnetic <laughs> suit, it's just like because it's like they act as if wearing the suit just makes you perfectly levitate in place. <laughs> but he's moving his arms around and stuff, yeah. and I feel like you would feel a res- resistance. It just well, so, it's just yeah. like, it was like somebody cast a Wingardium Leviosa spell what if on the, him. What if that grate that it's traveling underneath is magnetic, and then it's like suddenly all you've done is pinned the vehicle in place and can't drive anymore. Right. It's repelling <laughs> off of its yeah. surroundings. Right, no, yeah, and you're driving a giant, super powerful magnet under a computer. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're fucking up the computer. <laughs> that was dumb. Uh, and I think like having like the, the... Just give him more armor so he can just jump on the fan. Am I yeah. right? Right. Yeah, like Power Ranger. I mean, just like fucking superhero lands <laughs> on it. Iron Man, man. That's sick. Man, this should be an Avengers movie. When that nuke is coming down in the city, they should have had some regular city folk looking at it. Yeah. Pointing at it. Being like, What's that? What? Oh, no. No, be- no, because if that happened, then they'd be like, oh, uh, everyone, everyone knew about... Like that. They that did, would, though, because that- there's a newscast at the end of people spotting it. It was an asteroid. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, but if everyone looked up and was like, "That's a missile," then it would be like, "Okay, now we're really in trouble." Because like, I feel like well, that's, Russia, for, that's Russia, for Alex Jones to deal with. Everyone yeah. knows that Russia launched a missile at U.S. at the U.S. and th- then it would be they like, "They wouldn't know that." Well, it's a freaking missile. They don't know I it's wonder Russia. if who else has nuclear capabilities? They don't know it's nuclear. They just see like a thing in the sky. They don't know what the hell it is. That's the whole point. They should be like, "Hey, what's that?" And then there'd be people. It'd be more tension. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like there was kind of like a. A vibe the whole movie that uh, the populace doesn't know the danger that they're in. So I think and it was kind of like it's. it's I also stays, stays, yeah, I like, agree that having an, uh, the innocent bystanders be in danger, we can see the reactions would yeah. make it more like a, a real danger. But I think the movie was probably trying to avoid that. They yeah. probably were like, we don't want it to feel too scary. Maybe if this was yeah. a superhero yeah. movie, then they'd have that because then the superheroes come out, come in yeah. and everyone can be like, Oh, thank you, yeah, mister. Like, there the should be a lady pushing a stroller <laughs> and a baby in a stroller. And then the shadow of that nuke <laughs> just comes over them and she's looking she's up. Just, and then the, it's and headed then the, straight for, yeah. and then the baby sits up and looks too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The baby looks up and, just, and then it close ups on the baby's face and soother falls out. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's happened. They've, it's been done. 
I um, fucking love I have it. a broader nitpick. Get How me. does the IMF fucking work? <laughs> I don't know. Like they can choose the International Monetary Fund? <laughs> <laughs> Impossible Mission Force originally. Names. But they never fucking say that in name. the movies now because they, everyone knows it's a stupid name. Impossible yes. Mission Force. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they can choose to accept the missions? <laughs> you're a contractor, you get paid. Yeah, yeah. I don't know your mission should you choose to accept it. I like, think he's like, nah. <laughs> it might have made more this sense in the good. TV show. Next That's one. just like a holdover from the 50s, 60s show. Yeah. Like, okay, this message won't self-destruct then. Right for the next guy who walks yeah, yeah. by. <laughs> and, then, and then they also like, there, is, there a, is there an IMF squad of people just going around the world, like depositing these, these like uh, secure... Little containers where you can go and get weapons and masks and Wouldn't, all this stuff. I would love to know. It's the MI. Is there like ferry. is there like an IMF Seven Eleven on every corner that no one knows about? Like, oh, just go over here and the thing will pop out of the wall and yeah. you can go in a secret yeah, com- panel. Like, Almost same. Lines. I just wanted the Kinder Surprise toy, man. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like things are like gonna work. Things like that make me. You know, they help with the suspension of disbelief, even though they're less believable, because it signals to you that, like, this is the type of movie this is. Yeah. Don't think too hard about the logistics. You know, I think in the later movies, they they attempt to make it, like, there's a subplot, I think, about, like, the CIA being, like, a rival thing, and yeah. how they're, like, they're, the IMF is being uh, yeah, disbanded, being, but, yeah. and um, but I think in these first few movies... Five and six definitely have a more focus on like placing IMF in the world, and it's like they're dinosaurs and they're disbanded and stuff. Yeah. But I, I, I want. It was to just do a this. TV show, it, Ethan. Didn't that also happen in the James Bond yeah. Daniel Craig movies? Well, it's like in every Daniel Craig movie, he gets disavowed and has to go rogue and shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I kind of yeah. wish they had more Ghost Protocolage in this movie. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't really do much except limit their gadgets. There's yeah. no moment where they're like going to get arrested or like their own countrymen are against them. They're cool, never right? in the U.S. for one. Well, Sitter, he almost gets arrested by Sitteroff. Also, a great character. Hit pick. I love their little bromance. Yeah, because he's like the Russian cop. Yeah. How is that guy globe trotting? What's the budget here? Well, he's like a s- Russian special agent. It's, it's like their secret agent. It's All like right. their oligarch money. FBI or CIA. I think it's more yeah. like the CIA. All the KGB. Have, all they have is gangs. But it's not KGB because KGB was the. It's like the successor to the KGB. Sure. So it's more like the FBI than Isn't the that CIA. Isn't that just the government? Yes. We're allowed to make Russia jokes again. Woo! Let's go! Also, that, that was something I really thought about making this movie because obviously right now we got the whole Russia situation. But like, I'm like, this kind of made me nostalgic for a more stable time of... Where you could make a movie where Russia's bad yeah. because they were so like, not bad. Not that big of a deal because at the end of the day, we know we're all buddy-buddy to a certain extent. Maybe that's why this the is Cold happening War, today. Well, that was the, in the past. Putin saw, MI, Putin saw Mission Impossible 4 and was like, fuck that. Yeah. Like the ba- <laughs> I, think, I think the bad guys in Battlefield 4... Earth? Battlefield Earth. <laughs> John Travolta. He's a Russian. Um, He's a Scientologist like Cruz. It, well, That's true. That's no, true. Uh, Battlefield 4, the game, I think it's China is the bad guy. I doubt it. I doubt it's China. No, it is. Probably Korea. No, it's, it's. I played it. Really? It's, it's actually e- China? It's either Battlefield 3 or 4, but oh, China yeah. is the, you're oh. fighting China. It, the whole war, but like, that's yeah, the thing. That's the thing the... about these plots in these movies from the, you know, 2000s era and, and early 10s uh, is that... That Russia and China are the antagonists, but it's often because of a misunderstanding. That's they're not fair. actually fascist, crazy people trying to take over the world. Yeah. It's like they're some just like of... there. There's the global Sorry order. Sorry about 9/11. Yeah. I zigged, but I should have zagged. <laughs> <laughs> there's the a global... gauge is broken or something. There's the yeah. global liberal order, and everything's fine. 
but oopsies, a bad guy bombed something, and now we think that we're mad each, at each yeah. other, but everything's fine at the end of it and, and in the movie. Was well, so, it? Yeah, like this. It's it's. Uh, Is that the sum of all fears as well? Anyways, yeah, Cobalt. It's like he he's gonna get the Russian sub to launch. And I don't really get why the Russian sub calls him. I'm sure they said they mentioned it before, but I was well, like, well, no, he calls them. I think no, they get because they call it confirm. Hello, right? Russians. Oh, right. He and sends so like, the codes, and then yeah. they're like, "Is this for real?" That seems like a, a bit of a failsafe that it calls wherever they send the codes. So I mean, it should be like we call a totally different minister to. get I mean, Navalny called that guy who poisoned them and just got him to admit it. Uh, okay. the, the Russians answer the, the phone. Russians aren't scared. <laughs> you don't know that? You guys, it's on YouTube, man. You should watch. Some I didn't Nav- know that. You want to go on a Navalny rabbit hole? It's so I, dope. I watched. Uh, what's his name? The guy that worked for Vox and now does his own thing. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. ah, what's yeah. his name? Doesn't matter. Tell me the thing. Anyways, he does. He does all these vid- uh, videos about geopolitics, and he did a whole like forty-minute video about Navalny or whatever. It was great. Excellent. But I didn't, I don't remember that particular thing. Here's a nitpick. We only have what's in this train car. A hotel room number engraver. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? It seems really specific. That's something I do take issue with with these. (laughs) I think they have very specific gadgets. To me, that's more of a, like a portable 3D printer. That climbing glove. Yeah, yeah, that's useful. That was useful. I it think, was yeah. like the same size as the door thing. Uh, yeah, it was, you're not wrong. Uh, it was pretty wrong. specific. Looking. Kind of along the same lines. The outside of that train car is a train car size, and the inside of that train car is huge. Yeah, it's ginormous. It's yeah, like it's fucking, it would be like wide. 25 feet across. Yeah, I didn't get what the the antagonist was. The villain at the end, he's like, "All right, well, I guess I'll just kill myself then. I'll take this case and I'll jump down a couple flights." And now you're screwed. Why not just... <laughs> yeah. Like, what difference does it make if you throw yourself down uh, Like, with why it? don't you just run with it then? Like, what's the difference? <laughs> you're just, he he thought know. that, like... Well, that's what was dumb about it, is that it's like, haha, I'm taking you with me to the, to hell. But really, it's like, no, you're going to die. The case is still at the bottom. He can go is get it? the case. But maybe he just thought that, oh, you're not going to have time to get to the case You just made this missile. easier for me. <laughs> yeah. But, like... You know, if I guess the implication is that if Tom Cruise didn't do the the car thing, he's his legs busted. He can't make it all the way down there before the missile hits. I don't know. Yeah, this guy was a an ideologue. He believed in his cause and something. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's an effective <laughs> image of someone killing themselves for what they believe in. But I agree, the logic of it's a little bit off. Just throw the briefcase, dude. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all the nits and hits I got. I got guys. a big nitpick. Let's Ooh. hear it. Oh, fucking <laughs> Ethan Hunt is like, you got a pen? <laughs> Gives him a pen. He draws a whole ass portrait on his hand. Oh my God. He's like, oh, that's Hendrix. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you just drew a picture of the guy on your hand and he recognizes him? I know. He probably had paper too. He could have asked her for some paper. <laughs> like what? Yeah, it's like a car full of government it's just agents. a tiny little face. Here. Not only, not <laughs> only the eyes. fact that he's drawing on his hand, but also the fact that Ethan Hunt, on, in addition to all of his other skills, is like a good portrait artist <laughs> yeah and then the analyst is like it's a rough sketch the but analyst. that's probably this guy yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stum. i was like what and here's his whole life history yeah i i i wrote that in all capitals because i was like that's it's pretty dumb <laughs> i can't defend that also uh-uh. nitpick we really needed a moment for brant and hunt to reflect on the on the fact that the secretary of the imf is dead they're in the train and they have that little thing where, where after they've made a plan and do all it, like or not made a plan but they've kind of like had their little debrief or whatever then he's like the secretary is dead and it like cuts to people and they're kind of like oh yeah that's pretty that's too bad and then they keep going and it's like wait wait, wait. like we have this whole scene where the secretary had like a moment with yeah. Ethan Hunt and he's like, Ethan, 
I've always thought of you as my best man. And I've, I've always thought of you as a, as a friend. Blah, blah, blah. And it was like this real moment. And then after that, Ethan's just like, I have no friends. <laughs> Ethan is like barely a character in this movie, which is like, it's fine, I guess. But I, I feel like at the end when they're sitting around with beers and Ethan and uh, Brandt are having a moment, it's almost like, oh, like he kind of smiles at Brandt and I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I want to know this guy in non-wartime. Also, who's He's probably up, a fucking weirdo. Who's picking up the check because we didn't get paid for any of that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ghost Protocol is off the books. He just like drops a bill uh, as he walks away. Yeah, it was a <laughs> one. See ya. <laughs> I have a comment from Joseph Obel. Obelli? Nope. Equals not of planet Earth. Jordan Peele talked about this on the Smart List podcast that it works both in the movie and he saw it as an acronym. That was kind of an interesting thing. Not of planet Earth. Cool. Yeah. Kind of a little lonely thing. That's made up. You think Jordan Peele made that up later? Yeah. That's a retronym. That's fair. A retronym. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because we know that he does this. He, 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 people will be like, oh, I think this in the movie meant this. And he's like, oh, sure. Oh, does he? Yeah, he did that we for talk, Get Out. We talked about that on he, Get Out. James wasn't there for Get Out. Yeah, I was. You were? Yeah. Riley wasn't there for Get Out. <clears throat> I was there for Get Out. What? You oh, were, that was David, a long time. David, you weren't there. there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he wasn't there for Get Out. I was there for Get Out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No, we talked well, about people suggesting theories and him going, uh, yeah, sure. But th- but he act- he says it like that. He said like, I see. Like yeah, a joke. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who was on for Get Out? All of us. All of us. And Cicera? No. She was on for Nope. You what you weren't on for Nope. Nope. Let's move on, guys. <laughs> cool uh, fact. Anything else, Dave? Uh Crash said to highlight a major ongoing theme of all Coen Brothers movies about their storyline, they all end where they begin. None of their movies have character growth, lessons learned, or a finite ending. Mm. Do you guys wait? Agree, I saw that comment disagree. and I thought it was a pretty cool comment. Um that sort of rings true for me when I think about the Coen Brothers movie. Like, like no Fargo, country. yeah. Fargo, she's kind of just like, this world's a crazy place. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, but I, I think don't understand it. I, and same thing with uh, Burn After Reading, Yeah, where at the end they're just like, so what did we learn? Uh, nothing. nothing. So <laughs> is, is there any danger or anything? He's like, nope. I think some of them have growth, like True Grit. Um, that but that's a remake. Yeah, it's fair. That's fair. She's She grows quite a bit. Um. I think I think that's uh, oh, blood simple. I, so she grows. I'm sure maybe you could find a way to you know uh, uh, interpret the characters in in the Coen Brothers movies as having grown in some way. But I think that like that rings true for me because part of their deal is like is sort of this like nihilistic take on the world where it's just like a bunch of shit happens. You just gotta try your best to not fuck it up too bad, and then you know <laughs> die gracefully. You know, like that's yeah. kind of like the. I think not every good story has to have character growth. It just is an, an element of great stories. There's something that we are gra- we gravitate toward to, but they're so good at the other elements that it doesn't really matter. Yeah, the other, exactly. Another thing that makes a story interesting is just <clears throat> wacky shit happening. Yeah, and they're great at that. And incredible characters. Yeah, you don't need character growth for the characters to be good. I find that's a weird thing that sometimes people mix up They're like oh the characters are so good and then they describe like the growth the characters went through not like the characters and i yeah. mean it's muddy because it, it is sort of the same thing but the coen brothers always have such incredible characters even though they have yeah. no character growth i think that a character arc is something that you can include to give your movie you know uh something good but 
like yeah maybe it's not necessary if if the other elements of your movies are so good and the point that you're trying to get across is that uh is this image of a of a static universe instead of a constantly changing yeah. universe I like the sense that the non-changing <clears throat> characters give where it's like the movie is part of something bigger, not just like this is the entire universe condensed into two hours. Whose comment is that? That is Crashed. Nice it, one, Crashed. Yeah, nice one. Good movie too. <laughs> Riley. Which one? Wait, wait, which Crash? Oh, this is interesting. So I've, I I've, I didn't look at any of the comments for, for Nope because I haven't seen it yet. So no spoilers. Don't spoil it in the comments for this movie. Uh, but uh, someone quoted one of you from the Big Lebowski episode and said, this movie is like Pulp Fiction for Riley's? Yeah. What, is, what does that yeah, Have mean? you seen Big Lebowski? Yeah, I love it. I know. <laughs> that James. was my slogan. <laughs> I watched it and I was like, I bet Riley would love this. What does that mean? I don't know. I've... What did, what, what was my problem with Pulp Fiction? I forget. I had a problem with Pulp Fiction, but... I don't remember either. I have to go back in the archives. I feel like you don't like it. Well, you don't, not the edginess you don't like, but I feel like that tone, like that aggressive. You don't like watching criminals do anything. You don't like any criminals that the audience is supposed to like or look up to. I think that I like depictions of criminals and criminal acts (laughs) when there's like kind of something to take away from it other than, look how shitty all this shit is. (laughs) <laughs> or look how cool they are. Yeah. Well, yeah. but they're that, not cool. That's no. my whole point. Yeah, they're not cool. Criminals are not cool. Yeah, they are. No, they're not. Face tattoos? Smoking is not cool. We all think it's cool because we're fucked, but it's not cool. Well, no, we, we think it's cool because there's something about humans that think that self-destruction is cool. Yeah, it's not. It shouldn't be, but it is. You don't get to decide what's okay, cool. Okay, well, I guess that's what I'm saying. Is I'm what I'm what Instead of saying... It's not, I'm saying, it's stupid that it is cool yes. and it shouldn't be cool. Which Lebowski character is Riley? The I'm the guy the that's... Lebowski. We're nihilist Lebowski, we care about nothing Lebowski. <laughs> Where's the money Lebowski? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> the dude abides. I'm sad we didn't have you on that for that one. Yeah, I, I saw you guys did that and I was like, What? So you've what been watching that? more Orville? Uh, so the Orville's done. Uh, finally caught up in the last two episodes. It ends very strong. It's on Disney Plus this week mm. for everyone in the States. Please watch it. Is that a limited time only? What no, so it's just a Hulu show first. And so it was coming out oh. week to week on Hulu, but now it's going to mm. get its release. So this is the moment where the Orville survives or it doesn't. It hasn't been renewed yet. It's dependent on the next release. So please Give it a shot. It's awesome. It's mm. great. Uh, it ends. It's it's it reaches really high the season, and it kind of falters sometimes. It's one of those shows where its big ideas are awesome, and when it's like hitting its stride and getting in those good conversations, it's like a ten out of ten. But then it'll do something where you're like, logically, that doesn't make any sense, and like these people would have clearly not let this happen. This is really stupid. But then you're like, no, no, no it doesn't matter. Let's talk about like transphobia again. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I you, feel are you like watching things, Riley. Well, I I want to say something about the Orville because I don't I, watch I heard Orville. no, but I heard and I'm I have not I've never really been a Trekkie, but I've heard from people that the modern incarnations of Star Trek are like kind of disappointing mm-hmm. in Picard. Apparently, what is it? Strange, Strange New, New Worlds World. is doing okay. I watched the f- I watched a, <clears throat> like half the season and it's way closer to the spirit. Yeah. Apparently, the second half is like it kind of loses its way and right. becomes more of like modern Trek, but. They might have figured out something. I know some people were disappointed with Discovery. I hate Discovery. And and Picard. Picard. And so 
it seems like to me as an outsider, but who was sort of familiar with like what Star Trek is about, it seems like Orville is like typical Star Wars guy. <laughs> it seems like the Orville is kind of like trying to stay true more to like the Star Trek uh, idea of like, hey, we're gonna go into these weird planets. There's a weird sort of like situation that's an allegory for a thing that's happening in real life and we're going to use sci-fi to dissect and talk about this in an interesting way and then they add a bunch of comedy too so it's like a bonus and the the third season is definitely the one where they have the least amount of comedy but it it never feels out of place and it never feels too heavy like there's a scene medium spoilers for the orville so like cut 20 seconds ahead you guys don't care myths um where there's a feminist character that was introduced in season one and she's kind of been a, a hero like a feminist hero of this species that is all male, but you find out that there are actually women in this species that exist, but everyone gets converted to women and everyone just thinks that everyone's male. And everyone so there's gets a, converted to So they get like, male. like a sex change surgery at birth. It's like gender reassignment. Oh. Um, because they, everyone, like it's just only culturally acceptable to be a man. Well, that's in season one, isn't it? That's in season one. Yeah, I they, saw that episode. Yeah, and so they bring back that character a couple times and in season three, she does something that's like morally questionable uh. and it's like like well like but it's it's the perfect gray zone where you're like i 100 percent understand why she would do that but you're like that's kind of reprehensible that you're doing that that's but great. she's been a hero the whole time yeah and then she has to have a conversation with dolly parton and what? <laughs> yeah. what? but it's set up in this weird way where it all makes sense and she just sits down in a cabin with dolly parton and has this like moral conversation about like why what she did was wrong and how you have to have faith in people and all this stuff. And like, it's so weird did, and goofy. How did this character grow up as a woman in a male only? Like, how did so she? They, okay, so okay, okay, okay. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I guess that's spoilers. Well, sorry. Yeah. So spoilers for Orville Dunn. It's just, it. it's weird and it's goofy, but it, it has this like, this this emotional core and philosophical core and all the rough edges that made Star Trek so charming. Yeah. And it's just, it's awesome. And it's like, you have to give it a little bit of forgiveness because it's a little bit weird yeah. and cheesy and campy. But Star Trek was campy. Right. And it's awesome. And please, if you ever like Star <laughs> Trek, please just fucking watch the Orville. I've heard that I've heard that the crit- big criticism of Picard is that they try to have these sort of like mo- moral messages and like themes and stuff, but it's just like too like it's not complex enough it's yeah. like they don't do the work to like actually make an interesting allegory 100% like I think there was the the episode I heard people talking about was like okay they wanted to say something about immigration and so they literally just went to like earth during now times <laughs> and there the, the plot followed a, like a family that was getting hounded by ice and ice was depicted as basically like Nazis oh who were yeah, like, yeah yeah they actually go to like the Mexican border and yeah shit. and it's like and it's like kind what? of allegory <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's yeah, not an allegory. It's yeah. like you're just telling a story about modern political stuff. Yeah, what a weird that's roundabout a way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, what yeah. a weird roundabout way to not yeah. do anything. I so think that's where. Stu- is there any th- any shows you actually watch instead of just hearing about? You were on vacation for two weeks. You watch anything? Oh, I started. We started checking out. So, man. Oh, only, on only murders in the building. Yes. Okay. That's what I was going to say. I love cutting you off. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> a Netflix show. It, uh, no, it's another it's a Hulu star. I think. Or, oh yeah, it's a star. But it's on Disney Plus in Canada. Yeah, in Canada it's on Disney Plus. It's like Steve Martin or something. Yeah, and Steve Martin, Martin Short Martin and Short. Selena Gomez. Yeah, who I love now. You didn't expect that to work. And to be fair, the first season, you know, it. I think we heard that it would. It got better later, and so we're like, okay. It's okay enough to like ride it through season one. And season one ended up being, you know, it was pretty entertaining, but it was mm. still kind of like, eh, this is kind of mediocre. Season two really picks it up. I think like season two around episode two and three, you're just like, 
okay, I'm glad I stuck through with this because yeah. this is great now. I'm only three episodes into season two, but at the end of second episode, I looked at cast and I was like, oh yeah, I'm into this. What yeah, is the tone yeah. of that show? Is it, it like, a, com- like so a Stranger Things comedy? It follows people who are obsessed with true crime and uh, true crime podcasts. So like uh, the basic setup is that they're the, the three main characters live in a building in New York, an old building called the Arconia. Someone's murdered and then... Uh, it's marked as a suicide. It's marked as suicide, but they think it's a murder. So then they start recording a podcast in real time, charting like it's like a true crime pro- podcast. Oh, this is good. They decide to solve the murder because the police department said, "Oh, it's just a suicide." Blah blah blah, and then they leave it alone. And then hijinks ensue, oh, and they become sort of like persons of interest in their own right. It's great. That sounds pretty, pretty good. I would yeah. recommend it. I mean, especially as someone who like really enjoyed watching Steve Martin and Martin Shore when I was younger. Like the three amigos, the father of the bride, uh, the the what's the, oh what's the one where Steve Martin is like the the idiot, the jerk, the jerk. Like it's just it's a like hard movie to watch these days. Sure, for sure. But uh, just see, like seeing them interact again is just they have like magical. fantastic chemistry. And yeah, oh, yeah, Selena Gomez somehow like just as like some kind of glue that makes it all work together. Yeah. I think that they're they're, great. they're, they're both kind of like off the wall goofy guys, and then she comes in there and she's just like you guys are weird and old and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of know what's going on. But then later she, so she plays like the young character and then later they bring oh, in yeah. a Gen Z person <laughs> and then she feels old next to the Gen Z person. It was, yeah, yeah. it was a great moment. It's a great, uh, I would it's we- very well written. Yep. And it's super fun too. And it's 30 minute episodes. There's only 10 episodes a season. So it's like yeah. an easy, you can get through this. Nice. Yeah. Check it out. I've been watching nothing guys. That's I fine. What's been, nothing about? I've been reading a book called the art of sauna building. <laughs> sauna building. How's the sauna project going? Um, <clears throat> pretty close to knowing how many boards I need. Okay. Oh, and I, I went, oh, got some good tips from a master wood person. Oh. I now I know where to buy the wood. Oh, where do you buy good wood? No, no tell me offline. I don't, oh, gotta, I don't want our prices to go up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have stopped on like stream and stuff. I stopped talking about where I buy my stuff. Because oh, I yeah. noticed like if I talk about something, it seems like people kind of buy from those same sites. Oh. Hit us up in the comments with your... Sauna building techniques. <laughs> and don't don't just post the Trumpkin blog. I already read that shit. I've read, I know everything about saunas now, but if you have a good deal or something on where to buy a stove or if you want to sell me yours. blog? Like no. there's a Trump guy who builds saunas? No, the guy's name is literally Trumpkin. <laughs> no relation. Awesome name. Okay. Anyways. It's the best sauna you've ever seen. Inside, it's huge. <laughs> it's orange. <laughs> Everybody in America should have a sauna. I will guarantee. I would love a sauna. They're amazing. Mm. If Trump guarantees that everyone gets a sauna, I'd vote for him. That's climate change, baby. (laughs) You can get it. That's what they're trying to do for us. (laughs) See you later. See you later. You can tweet at us at TJMPod. You can email us hello at theirjustmovies.com. And next week, we're going to do... Hackers. 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 That was a fake see you later. See you later now. Love you. Love you.